0: The Soccer Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by GameTime. Snag the tickets without the stress. Use promo code SGPN on your first purchase to save $20. Download the GameTime app and use that promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has just added Pick'em Scorchers, where you can win one 100 times. That's right, turn $5 into $500 in one game. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And finally, we're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use promo code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today.
1: Old Trafford and the Champions League. You can't beat that combination. Casemiro, lovely ball that. Rashford has got Hoyland up with him. Rashford, Hoyland! The two forwards linking brilliantly. It's Hoyland's first goal at Old Trafford. He'll never forget it. Zaha after this. The low with him. Zaha gets there! Zaha! He's come back to haunt Manchester United. Christian Eriksen who's really shone since coming on, hasn't he? Yeah, he's played really well. That's another great pass. Casemiro. Mount. Hoyland! How late is this? Uh, To be fair, his flag went up straight away. It's there. It's there. And you can't argue with that. United going forward with Rasmus Hoyland. Look at the pace blistering pace Hoyland special moment special goal special player Rasmus Hoyland another dangerous break for Yilmaz oh great ball in they're level again oh that's a mistake by Anana. trouble here penalty oh no Icardi, Icardi, a reprieve for Manchester United. I think uh, another change is coming up. Tangi, oh no, on. oh no, he's through again here. And this might be curtains. It is. It's a fantastic goal by Marou Icardi.
0: You are listening to Bet the show where I torture myself twice a week, talking about Manchester United on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow Bet on X at Bet That's at Bet You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network at Gambling Podcast. That's at Gambling Podcast. And finally, you can follow my other X account as well, which is at LockBangX. That's at LockBettingX. The most significant thing about that account is that is where I post my monthly P&L, my monthly profit and loss spreadsheet. That's because I am a tracked and hand, a tracked and transparent handicapper, unlike many. And it's easy to find. it's always the pin tweet. At the moment, I'm a little bit behind because of the amount of games I have to cover, which includes the NFL as well. So at the moment, we're looking at the month of August. But on Monday, that will change to the month of September. The month of September was the 124th month in a row of transparent track profit, padded out by US Open Futures, padded out by a hot start to the domestic soccer season and padded out with three winning weeks in the NFL. And it was actually made four winning weeks after week four, which was a very, very big winning week. So, if you want to come on board, then hit me up with a DM if you have any questions at X, or you can simply just sign up over at LockBetting.com. But I do actually encourage you to do your research and do diligence. So you don't just have to look at one spreadsheet, which is the pin tweet. You have every spreadsheet to look at. You don't need to go down the X account to do it. You can just go to LockBetting.com where every single spreadsheet is posted. When you look through that PL spreadsheet, have a look at the type of bets that we do because I manage a bankroll very, very sensibly you won't see a losing day followed up by bigger players. So if we lose a one-unit play, you won't see a two-unit play. If we lose a two-unit play, you won't see it because there won't be a losing two-unit play because we don't do two-unit plays. Or we do do them, but they're very rare. We do them for futures because we cash futures at 79.8%. So you won't see that type of chasing. No five-unit, no 10-unit, no 20-unit whale stuff, no 25-unit player of the year nonsense. We get there with a sensible, with sensible management of the bankroll, and that makes betting accessible for everybody with disposable income. And as I always say, if you don't have a disposable income, you shouldn't be betting anyway because you shouldn't be making bets that you cannot afford to lose. Betting is not a way to get you out of debt. It's not going to solve your problems. It is a hobby, but it can be a profitable one if you tail my additional content. So moving on with this show, instead of um, starting with a Eric Ten Hag audio clip, which is what we normally do, I'm going to play you a clip from Zlatan Ibrahimović, who spoke to Piers Morgan this week. And this particular clip is very, very concerning. If Zlatan is right about Eric Ten Hag and is right about the culture at Man United, then it kind of explains why we could be on on our way to losing another manager. The only issue I have with what Zlatan says here is that Jose Mourinho was a big player manager. Louis van Gaal was a big player manager and they failed as well. So whilst Oli was perhaps the wrong man for the job and he can say these things about Eric Ten Hag, was it the case with Mourinho, who was the manager when Zlatan was there, and was that also the case with Louis van Hall, who came in very quickly after Alex Ferguson, after David Moyes' nightmare season? So I'm not too sure, but have a listen anyway, because this was a very interesting interview and um, it got a lot of coverage here from the UK press.
2: Are the players underperforming? I think with the new coach. The new coach came from where? He was at Ajax, right? I was in Ajax also. Ajax is a talented club. Yeah. They have the best talents in the club. They don't have big stars. Yeah. What is the experience of this coach? Yeah. Young talents. He comes to United. United is different mentality, different players. Yeah. So the players there are supposed to be big stars. So I think with his experience being there, I don't know if it talks for him or not. Because he, I think he's in a different situation. And then above him, there is a gap where he doesn't get the help to manage the team. Listen, this is what I read in the paper. So it's not that I have all the situation that ha- that is happening. But I can just imagine him coming from Ajax to, to United is a big difference. Because I've been in both clubs. You manage talents, upgrowing. is a different kind of approach. Because there you have a different kind of discipline. You come to United, you you do the same thing. I don't know, I don't believe, and I don't think it's the same treatment you give.
1: I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, when he gave the interview to me when he left United, he said that he felt he didn't have the respect of Eric Ten Hag. You see with Jaden Sancho now a similar situation, Ten Hag criticizing him in public and so on. Maybe that
2: is an illustration of his, of his problems in managing big talent. But I don't I don't say it's the coach's fault, because experience you cannot buy. Okay. You just have to get time to get the experience. But it's two different situations, being in Ajax, being in United. Then if it's his fault, I don't think, because I think everybody has a responsible in the whole situation. We are a piece of puzzle from the big puzzle. Okay. So everybody has uh, a responsibility to do and to, to fulfill the, the, the demands. United has to win. They, they they have to win every title they play for. Now they're being dominated by the neighbors yeah. and uh, and it's a totally different situation there. And uh, you need to find the right path again and to, to push for that. Now it's, I think it's, you need a plan. You need a yeah. project to follow. And it feels like you follow a project plan and then it goes wild in a moment because of the results. Either you believe in it or you don't believe in it. So, But with the situation of the coach, I think he's living two different situations now. Then obviously what happened with Sancho and and Cristiano, I don't know because... Do you think he's out of his depth a bit, Ten Hag? I think he needs more time to get the experience how to handle a team... But you don't really that, get time at a club like that. No, United, no right? obviously not. Because we need to win. That's the reality. You come to my when I was in Milan, I cannot give you time to, to develop to 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 perform. You need mm-hmm. to perform straight. Because like I said, survival mode. Mm-hmm. It's you or another one. Because United is in a situation, you don't do good enough. The next day there is another one. Mm-hmm. And the result speaks for itself. So that's why the it's tricky. But how much time do you give a coach? I don't know. Depends on the owners what they want. Yeah. But if you listen to the fans, you don't have a lot of time because no. they want to win. Absolutely. And I understand them because they're used to win and they wanna still win. So I think it's a lot of things. The small details often makes the difference. It's not the, the, the whole the big pictures you see. Because when things are good. There are were, there were still errors and problems, but you don't see it because we are winning.
0: One of the things you cannot overlook from that interview is the fact that Piers Morgan has been out to get Eric Ten Hag for a while. Um, he was out to get him after the treatment of Cristiano Ronaldo because we know Piers Morgan loves being Cristiano Ronaldo's friend and he went above and beyond to defend him. So that Cristiano Ronaldo would remain friends with him. Because Piers Morgan really, really loves being friends of Cristiano Ronaldo. And he went to bat for him on Twitter. Made um, some ridiculous comments about Ten Hag at the time. Made ridiculous comments about Ronaldo. Um, when Ronaldo was scoring goals in Saudi Arabia. He was talking about how it proved that Ten Hag made a mistake. He was pushing for Arsenal to sign Ronaldo and said that when Arsenal didn't win the league, it was because they didn't get Ronaldo and he could have made the difference. Absolutely ludicrous. Ronaldo is an absolute legend, but it's clear he was past it by not playing in Manchester United Um, went into a different played and started playing a different style of football which immediately had results which resulted in us finishing third in the league a complete turnaround qualifying for the Champions League getting to two cup finals and having a 100% home record after a sorry an undefeated home record after Ronaldo left obviously things have gone wrong but having Ronaldo there doesn't make a difference and Eric Ten Hag didn't become a bad manager overnight and he proved Piers Morgan very very wrong and the witch hunt pretty much looked ridiculous so That must be noted first and foremost. And he was trying to bait Zlatan into saying more than he wanted to say or more than he actually thought. But what he did initially say was concerning, that Ten Hag doesn't have experience in managing these big players. He managed players that went on to become big players. He brought them through. And what he did with the likes of uh, Frankie de Jong and Matthias De and then the second generation of players that he bought through, which have a lot of them been signed by Man United. When you're looking at Anthony and Lisandro Martinez, and, and obviously you've got Timbo signed for Arsenal, but he's currently injured. These are all players that Ten Hag bought through a second wave of players. So he did an incredible job at Ajax, when you are just one kick of the ball away from a Champions League final with that team and you've knocked out Real Madrid and Juve on the way, that is an incredible feat and it does make you a top-class manager, as does fixing this Manchester United team when they were heading towards a disastrous season after a disastrous start. He turned that round and he had to play different tactics. He had to change what he wanted to do coming in in order to make sure Man United had a successful season and they did. But that in itself, um, that problem has presented itself again in terms of the Ten Hag style versus what actually works. And we'll talk about that in a second. We'll elaborate on that. And we will have our usual clip from Eric Ten Hag as well. Before we do that, let's pay some bills here and tell you guys about game time. Ticket buying shouldn't be stressful, but if you buy late, often it can be. There's the situation of waiting for your tickets to come through. Sometimes they don't come through till right until the end. Will call and the box office aren't going to help you because it is a secondary market. Then there's the situation of um, where you sit. Are better seats going to become available? or cheaper seats going to become available? Um, have you waited too long? Have you missed out on those good seats that you didn't pull the trigger on? Loads and loads of stress. Loads and loads of issues buying tickets shouldn't be that stressful and with game time it's a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports music theater comedy and and um music near you with killer deals and last minute tickets and a best price guarantee which means that you can stop stressing over the tickets The game time guarantee means you always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app and create an account and use that code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account and redeem the code SGPN to sweeten the deal for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed i we we'll also take this quick pause to tell you guys about Hall of Fame bets. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame bets app or visit hofbets.com and use that code SGPN again to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets. Marcus Rashford's got one goal this season. Last season, he had five in nine at this stage. What difference... Are
1: you
3: seeing in in his play at the moment compared to last season? Yeah, but uh, uh, there is a team and of course him uh, and uh, and there's both and so I'm sure it's uh, normal uh, that you are not always in the right of in the same levels and and of course everyone knows the qualities of him and also the opposition knows the qualities and uh, but if uh, if Resi, doing the thing right and the team is doing the thing right, we will put him in the right places and then it's up to him and uh, we have seen the last weeks uh, that he's coming in in the good positions and now uh, he's a little bit struggling but this will pass because everyone knows the qualities, everyone uh, at Man United backs him and the whole team is supportive to him and believes in him and so I'm sure, with that, with that confidence, with uh, that belief that the team is behind him, uh, that, will, that this will change. So this will swap. This will pass. What well, would you say his his own confidence is? That is it? Just a case of needing that spark for it to, to click for him again? Uh, but that, that is always, but that's always so. Uh, that is that strikers when they don't score for a moment, uh, they uh, they need that, uh, and they need one goal. And then they step over and and it will come. And he's so experienced uh, and he knows that as well. And when he's doing the right things and when the team is doing the right things, uh, the, that momentum will come and then uh, he will be on fire. Oh, sorry.
0: Eric, uh, uh, hi Eric. Um... I know you have a new goalkeeper. I know you haven 't had a settled defense all season, but you 've conceded eighteen goals in ten games so far. if you haven 't got any of those injured defenders coming
3: back soon, what can you do to make to fix that? yeah this is what we're just talking about so we 'll be talking about a lot of last days about communication and that uh, of course the routines when you, when we have to make almost every game changes, and the routines are a little bit. Um, a little bit less, I say, and 99% in top football is a lot. And, um, and then uh, you make mistakes as a team where opponent takes benefit from it. So we worked a lot about, yeah, we need to be on the same page. We need the communication in such moment that we are well organized. And then it's about the player and uh, uh, the willingness had to be on the right spot and make the right decisions in the right moment
0: one other thing that's happened is your win percentage seems to have dropped dramatically since you won the League Cup last season you were up at 69% of your games were won before that you're now down to about 50% do you think there has been any sort of hangover from that Cup win do you think some people maybe thought the hard work we've done and have rested on their laurels slightly
3: it's um it's, it's, it's the fact, and you know, so we we drop the levels and we fight against, and so we have to get back uh, to those levels, and uh, and yeah, there are reasons for, uh, but still, um, yeah, it's not acceptable, and we have to fight against it, and every team we put out, and they have to be on one page, uh, but as I just explained, the routines at this moment, are not always there. But they have a good foundation in the way of play. So we have to have some rules and principles. I and mean, when you will keep that foundation and then um, cover each other and support each other, then we will play better. Uh, last question in this section. now. Hi, Eric. With the international break coming up, does it make it even more important to try and go into that on a positive note tomorrow? Yeah, it, it, it's true. But... Um, Uh, Every game, uh, uh, we have to win. And so that will always be the case. So uh, that approach will not change for any game.
0: Lots of stuff to unpack there on top of what I was going to say anyway. But first of all, the League Cup thing. It cannot be a hangover for these players after winning the League Cup. As happy as I was to win it, that is the bottom trophy in England. The FA Cup is higher the Premier League is higher, and obviously any European trophy is higher as well. So you cannot have a hangover and be satisfied with your work after you win the League Cup, the EFL Cup, the Carabao Cup, whatever you call it. There cannot be a hangover. And when you look through the team, when you look at David De Gea, who's supposed to be a world-class goalkeeper throughout his tenure, he was probably in the conversation with the top 10 keepers in the world, definitely among the top three shot stoppers. Uh, then you have Rafa Varane and Casemiro, serial Champions League winners with Real Madrid, having that winning mindset. Um, Lissandro Martinez just coming off winning a World Cup and obviously had success at Ajax prior to that. In the fullback positions, you have Diego Dallo, who plays for the Portuguese national team, has um, friends with Cristiano Ronaldo. That winning mentality has to pass on. Um, Luke Shaw as well, capped multiple times with England, has been to World Cups, uh, European final, although hasn't won anything significant. You would think he has a winning mentality to win more and do more with his career. Uh, Bruno Fernandes came to Manchester United and he can't be happy with what he's achieved so far. It's not necessarily Bruno's problem, but I think Bruno came to United as part of an upward trajectory and it just hasn't happened and he's almost unfortunate to not have won more because he's a player who could get into nearly any team in the world be it Barcelona, Real Madrid maybe even City because we, we hear this argument that the Bruyne is much better and Gundogan was better but but that's not necessarily true. Nobody knows what Bruno Fernandez could have done in a Man City team. Perhaps he could have been the perfect fit. Perhaps he would have been the replacement for the Bruyne. You don't know, but we'll never know because he's ended up at Manchester United and he's dealing with this toxic situation of the Glazers and the general um, the general attitude that the that the players at the club have. This general um, this, this this general cloud that hangs over the team, and and it seems to be um something that passes on from from player to player almost like a sickness a sickness that everybody kind of gets and inherits so it's 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 really harsh for for Bruno Fernandes to be judged upon what he's actually won and obviously there was a stat last season where Bruno created the most chances that were missed by United players that cannot be down to Bruno that that players can't finish off all the chances that he creates um, elsewhere, we have Marcus Rashford for a long, long time. I'm going to speak more about him in a minute. But for a long, long time, a player who's been touted as world class and is, when he has down times, when he had a down season, he was heavily linked to PSG, who apparently were desperate to want him. But for a long, long time, he's underachieved. This hasn't been the only dip Marcus has had. In fact, his good periods have been less than his... Um, Have been less than his bad periods. This this off form, these off form periods have been far more regular since Marcus Rashford has become a starter for Man United than the periods of form. But people cling on to him, and as cling on to him as the great hope for Manchester United when he's in fact been one of the most inconsistent performers through the Solskjaer tenure through the um, short Ragnick, Ragnick tenure, and now again under Eric Ten Hag, it looks like we are getting back to that version of Marcus Rashford. But it's always spoken about like, oh, he's having a dip. Well, the dips are more common than the, than the good periods of form. And there has to come a time where you have to criticise Rashford and you have to question how much has Rashford really improved in the last five years. Because looking at the twenty-five-year-old version of Rashford and looking at the twenty-year-old version of Rashford that came through, we still have the same problems. He still has one weak foot, one one foot that's significantly weaker than the other, which isn't isn't a trait in any top footballer. He still isn't able to to finish, and he still has significant dips in confidence for him to go clean through in that game in the last game against Galatasaray and to square the ball to try and square the ball. Kind of tells you where Marcus Rashford's at, but in terms of him being satisfied. After winning the Carabao Cup. He certainly shouldn't fall into that category. Same could be said for Jaden Sancho. Who's come from massive money. From Borussia Dortmund. And whoever else you want to regard. As a starter. Um, coming out of that Carabao Cup final. So that's an absolutely ludicrous statistic. But as Ten said. It is fact. And things need to improve. Um, we've spoken about Rashford. He spoke about Rashford. And said that he's a world, he's a top player. And he'll come back and whatever. But. The actual facts and stats don't tell you that. They tell you that last season was more of an anomaly than Rashford being being poor. Because Rashford being poor has become the more consistent version of Rashford over the last four or five years. So, as I said, we really need to see Marcus Rashford developing into that player. Because the 25-year-old Rashford now is supposed to be in his peak. And he's supposed to be able to shoot with two left feet. He's supposed to be uh, two with, with both of his feet. Yeah, I mean, two left feet is kind of the version of Rashford we're getting, and that was that was an accidental slip. But yeah, it looks like a Rashford at the moment is the two left feet Rashford. But we should be getting a player who can play with both feet, who, both feet. Who's more of a clinical finisher and makes more of a contribution to the game with his with his pressing and um, and his general contribution in terms of getting back assists, things like that. Um, the only positive coming out of the um, I think the game against Galatasaray was obviously the performance of Rasmus Hoyland and the periods of the game where Manchester United were on top, which was most of it. There's absolutely no way Manchester United should have lost that game. But when you make comical individual errors, which is what we did, we made uh, comical errors, and Amrabat, Lindelof, and Onana were responsible for them. Obviously, Onana's was the most significant because it got Casemiro sent off, and I also think he was at fault for possibly the first goal and the third goal i mean i didn't i didn't mention diego dalla there but that was an absolute clown show for the first goal where he didn't clear the ball you will not see Three more comical goals. With the first one, the ball just bouncing around and Dallow doesn't put his fucking foot through it. And then it actually... And then Zaha bounces it into the ground on the volley and it goes over Unana's head. The second goal, we're just carved open. There is no communication between Amrabat, Lindelof and Varane. And there's just a huge gap where you could have driven an absolute fucking truck through Manchester United's fucking defence. And we can see the second goal... Then we give away the penalty because of Unana, who isn't working. The signing of Unana isn't working. It's now time that we can say that. Uh, there's enough of a sample size to say this looks like a disastrous signing at this point. He gets Casemiro sent off, who again was exposed. He doesn't have the legs to play in that position when he's playing alongside Mason Mount. You need to play two sixes. You cannot play two eights. Mount isn't Frankie De Jong, he isn't the player we thought he was, he can't cover the space, and this is Mount that had his best game, and Casemiro still got exposed, and Man United still got overran, and still got counter-attacked at 2-2, when you're 2-2 down to 10 men, you might have to take a point, and um, and not allow Galatasaray, your main rivals in the in the group in terms of trying to qualify, an easy win, you can't just be out of position and allow them to to go through one-on-one. And then when you do go one-on-one after Amrabat gave the ball away, you cannot allow Mario Riccardi to sit your fucking goalkeeper on his ass before he's had the shot. It's a one-on-one situation. And this is supposed to be a goalkeeper who's better at playing at his feet and better at one-on-one shot stopping, which David De Gea wasn't. But um, it looks like that isn't the case. As for David De Gea... Um, losing David De Gea, which is something I was for, I admit, is one of the key reasons why Eric Ten Hag can't just go back and do what he did last season. Now, this is one of the one of the main points I want to make. Last season, Eric Ten Hag was very, very keen to implement an Eric Ten Hag style of play. But after two games, Manchester United lost two games. They lost 2-1 at home to Brighton and lost 4-0 away to Brentford. And he very, very quickly made the decision that I cannot do this with this group of players. One transfer window, one summer transfer window isn't enough or one summer isn't enough for them to be able to adapt to the style. Um, They're not used to running the number of kilometres they are going to need to run in order to play this possession-based style of football and this pressing pressing style of football that I want. So, ultimately, what he had to do is he had to do what good managers do. He had to to think on his feet and he had to find a way to make sure that Manchester United won games. And that is a testament to Eric Ten Hag. The fact that he was able to look at the situation in two games, rip up the script and change things entirely. And Manchester United became a counter-punching team, especially against the bigger teams. And were very, very successful, particularly at Old Trafford. But... Eric Ten Hag also recognises the DNA of the club, and recognised that Manchester United, on the whole, couldn't be a counter-punching team long term, and therefore he felt that he needed to make signings to go back to playing the Eric Ten Hag way of playing, which would be a more modern-day style and a more Manchester United style with um, with attacking fullbacks pressing the ball and trying to win the ball back as quickly as possible. But once again, it has not worked. Manchester United have continually been caught in positions where the press hasn't worked and therefore we've been overcommitted in one-on-one situations and teams have been able to score on us because we don't have that shot stopper. Whereas previously, when we were a counter-punching team, it meant that we had men behind the ball and the main way opposition were going to try and score were to take longer shots from around the box, and whilst Man United may have had um, high xG count against us, that doesn't really mean anything in real football. That's just something that I see American handicappers using as a very important statistic. In reality, it doesn't mean anything when your goalkeeper is probably the best in the world at shot stopping from long range. The fact is, is that David De Gea never ever conceded a free kick in the Premier League as the Manchester United goalkeeper. That tells you that he is a phenomenal shot stopper from distance. When he has time to position himself, David De Gea was was impossible to beat from outside of the box. And that gave Manchester United a great advantage because if they didn't allow opponents one-on-ones with David De Gea, then it was very, very difficult to score past them, which meant Manchester United could sit men behind the ball and they could counter-attack. And they were also clinical with the counter-attack because we had the best version of Marcus Rashford. And when Marcus Rashford is on form and he's scoring and he's and he's scaring people with his pace and he's making the right decisions, which is key, everything tied together for Manchester United to have a successful season and what Eric Ten Hag did worked. Now, we cannot rip up the skips because we don't have that shot stopper. We've seen Unana beaten by multiple shots that David De Gea would have saved. We also don't have the one-on-one goalkeeper that we thought we had. And we also don't have the pace to to track back and support the defenders when teams play through the press. So the only way to change that is to go back to two sixes rather than playing two eights and a six. On the counter-attacking side of things, we're not clinical. We Marcus Rashford isn't making the right decisions he doesn't know when to pass or shoot the confidence is gone again and if Marcus Rashford isn't playing at his best you're suddenly relying on Rasmus Hoyland Now, Rasmus Hoyland does look like someone who can carry that on his shoulders. That was a phenomenal breakout performance. And the only thing that gives me hope, it means that we're not having that over-reliance on Marcus Rashford. And perhaps we can rip up the script and we can go back to a counter-punching style. And Manchester United can just go back to winning games. But if we go back to that again, it does feel like another reset at this point of the season. And if we're having another reset, then ultimately we can't, go on, we can't go on and play the Ten Hag style. And if we don't play the Ten Hag style that he wants to play, which is considered to be a more Manchester United DNA style, then we've had another wasted transfer window because we cannot play some of the players that we've bought. That may involve changing the goalkeeper because Manchester United did make a... Second goalkeeper signing in the summer, and it would mean replacing Andre Unana because it would mean that didn't work. It would mean dropping back to playing two sixes, which would mean that when we actually do get a left back in, whether it be Regulon, Mallesia, or or Shaw that comes back first, I think it will be Regulon. Then we would play Amrabat alongside Casemiro to give him a little bit more protection, which would mean Mason Mount, a, 50, a fifty-five pounds player, is out of the team. But Mount was supposed to be more box-to-box than this and give Casemiro more protection. And it's worrying in itself that Casemiro, who is our number six, and who was a well-class player at least when we got him from Real Madrid, is looking like he does need a lot of protection because he's been out of position quite a few times, despite the fact he's had a good season in terms of contributing towards goal scoring and assists. And he looks like more of a footballer than he ever did at Real Madrid. He's not being able to do what he did at Real Madrid. And perhaps that's just simply down to the pace of the Premier League compared to La Liga. And Casemiro might be a prime example of the difference between the two leagues. And maybe we do need a little bit more protection in there for Casemiro, who doesn't look like he can do that job the same way that a Thomas Partey and especially a Rodri are capable of doing. Not to say that they are better players than him, But they do seem more cut out for the Premier League pace. And perhaps we shouldn't be um, giving Casemiro too many responsibilities. He even needs to be an outright six with another six alongside him who can do more of the up and down work or we uh, allow casemiro to be that, that second six is the who the one is the, being the one who gets forward and we have a six that just sits and the way casemiro has played in terms of his passing and goal contributions i would actually move casemiro slightly further forward and make him the box to box player and have another number six that just sits there. Because at the moment, we've got Casemiro trying to be semi-box-to-box. We have Mason Mount, who's supposed to be box-to-box. And we don't just have that number six sitting in front of the back four, who do need protecting, because Rafa Varane, for some reason, seems to have gone backwards. And we can't find any competent defensive partner for him, because Lindelof's not good enough. Harry Maguire's a clown. And uh, Lissandro Martinez was obviously clearly still injured. And we never got that version of him again. In fact, we haven't had the best version of Martinez since he returned from the World Cup, to be honest with you. And he's one of those players who has gone downhill since we've won the Carabao Cup. So lots and lots of problems and lots and lots of concerns making this weekend game against Brentford an absolute must-win game. Before we cover it, let me take a quick pause to let you know that underdog fantasy has introduced scorchers. And if you can go 5 for 5 in Pickem Scorchers, you can enjoy a spicy 100x payout. And for a limited time, Underdog is extending the first deposit bonus up to $500. So, $100,000 Sunday continues on Underdog Fantasy with 10 lucky players winning 10k each. Plus, when you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $500. That's underdog fantasy and the promo code SGPN. Moving on to Saturday's game, the must win game now against Brentford. Manchester United, of course, are still going to be favourites to win this type of game. Manchester United are priced up at 73 to 100. Not a price you would have got on Man United at Old Trafford last season. They would have been much closer to minus 200 to win this game. But given the form of Man United, I'm not sure if this is value or not, or whether it's exactly the right price. It's 3-1 to one on the draw, and it's 7-2 to two here on Brentford. This is a must-win situation and I do think Man United will show up in this must-win situation. They should have beaten Galatas, right? They were the better team. There was encouragement to be taken from that game. And if it had not been for three individual errors, Man United would have won that game and won that game convincingly. Now, I'm going to disregard three individual errors and look at that game and say Manchester United will not make those errors again this weekend. And if they don't make those errors again this weekend, they should have enough to beat Brentford, who aren't having a particularly good season. But we will need to score a couple of goals to get it done because you cannot think that Manchester United won't make at least one error in this game because we have been woeful at the back. And when you've conceded 18 goals in 10 games, you are probably going to concede against a Brentford side who can put the ball in the back of the net, despite the fact they've not had good results so far this season. Uh, But Brentford themselves have only kept one clean sheet in nine games. So perhaps BTTS is the strongest play here. You've got two teams who can't really defend well. You've got United, who have conceded 1.8 goals per game on average this season, against the Brentford side, who have played out five draws in nine games, two of which have ended in 2-2 draws. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Brentford scoring or maybe even scoring two goals, but I have to take Manchester United here in this game. The Brentford side that we're seeing this season aren't as good as the one we saw last season. They're clearly missing some of the players they've lost, particularly Ivan Tony, and for that reason, this has to be a bounce back spot for United, and as I said. The ingredients were there for Manchester United to move forward and build on. They lost the game with three individual errors. If you can cut out those mistakes, if Dalo clears the ball, if Manchester United are more coordinated for the second goal, if Inanna doesn't play a stupid ball that gets Casemiro sent off, if Amrabat doesn't give the ball away and remains uh, pl- remains in a position where he's playing a Cardi side. And the defenders are asleep for Galatasaray winning the header that sends a through through on goal. Um, and then he sits our goalkeeper down and scores a goal before um, he's even challenged for a one-on-one. It's just a catalogue of errors. There are actually more than one error on, goal, on, on one goal. If you look at the third goal, three or four players make a mistake for one singular goal. This just cannot happen again. And when you look at that and you factor that in, you have to think, that an error free version of Manchester United with Rasmus Hoyling playing the way he does, will be able to win this game, so I do have concerns here. I have concerns that Manchester United are coming up against an opponent who enjoy being an underdog brentford this um, Brentford historically last season only won one game where they had more possession of the ball. Every other game where Brentford had more possession, they didn't win. So they like not having the ball. They like being the underdog. They like giving up possession. They like playing counter-attack and football. And that's what's going to be the game plan here. The game plan is going to be to do exactly what Galatasaray did. The question you're going to have to ask yourself is, can Brentford, um, can Brentford execute it as good as Galatasaray, a Champions League team, one of the top teams in Turkey, who spent a lot of money on top players this summer? And... Are Manchester United going to allow them to? Are they going to make the catalogue of errors again that allow another team to come to Old Trafford and hit them on the break and win the game? Um, well, I mean, the Palace situation, that was just a case of the Palace scoring a very, very good goal and Manchester United being very, very poor moving forward. And that's a concern as well. Just because we've had one good game in attack where we looked like we could score goals doesn't necessarily mean that Manchester United are back as an attacking force. Because against Crystal Palace, we had absolutely no idea how to break them down. But for me... I still land on Manchester United to win for the following reasons. I don't think that Brentford are as good and as disciplined at Crystal Palace at executing the defensive low block. I don't think Thomas Frank knows how to implement that as well as Roy Hodgson, who has been an expert at that style for many, many years. Uh, Brentford are kind of a mishmash of being a team who who like to soak up pressure, but are mainly trying to do it in order to catch you on the counter-attack to play through the lines. And when they do do that, I don't think that they are as good as Galatasaray at doing it. I don't think they have the players to execute it as well as Galatasaray. I think Galatasaray are a better team. And we got caught by a team who were clinical. Zaha was clinical. Akadi was clinical. And Manchester United got punished, which is what can happen in the Champions League. And finally, I don't think Manchester United clearly are going to make those errors again. So I said there will be a lock on a show. And given the form, it's a scary one. But it is going to be Manchester United on the money line. I'm going to bite and I am going to take the 73 to 100. This wouldn't be a price that would be available last season. It wouldn't be a price if Manchester United weren't coming into this one off the back of losing two straight home games. And it wouldn't be the price if Manchester United hadn't conceded 18 goals in their last 10. But I think this is a good right get right spot. I think this is a good opponent. If Everton can beat Brentford, then Man United can beat Brentford. So we'll take Man United on the money line as a lock on this show. That's it for me. Good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.